0: who were born, none of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And our key verse for this morning, chapter, or verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. As far as the reading of God's holy word this morning, shall we pray together? Father, we read your word and are thankful for it, for your condescending to give it to us and for Um, us to receive it and to meditate upon it father on this christmas day we ask that you would open our eyes that we may see jesus the fullness in whom dwells all the godhead the deity but father help us to recognize also the flesh that he took upon himself in his humanity may this be a core um, doctrinal scriptural truth that we never lose hold of Help us to see that this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Question, are you struggling this morning? Are you weak in body and soul? Are your spirits down? Is your spiritual life stagnant? Now, we're in a season of good cheer, but sometimes cheer is a hard thing to come by for some of us in this room. It's hard to live by. Maybe we need to ask ourselves where we find our cheer. Is it in gifts, family, friends? All good things, but even good things aren't exhaustively satisfying in a fallen world. That's right, sin is ever-present and taints at times even the good things that we have. That's why we need the ultimate good cheer, which is found in Jesus Christ. You see, humanity always yearns for something. You always yearn for something. That's undoubtedly highlighted in this Christmas season, if not uh, Black Friday. We want, we need, and ultimately that leads to idolatry. One theologian described this to the degree that we are what we worship. What do you yearn for and seek to define who you are? This Christmas morning, ask yourself the question, Who am I? What humanity truly needs is redemption. And that ultimate gift has been given to us. You see, frail humanity needed redemption. And so Christ, fully God and fully man, taking on flesh, as fully man, to redeem man, restored them to a right relationship with God, so that our identity is now found in Jesus Christ as an adopted son or an adopted daughter. Therefore, we highlight the importance of what we call the incarnation, that coming of the Savior that the Old Testament saints and prophets anticipated. Herman uh, Wittsius said, His coming is the foundation of our hope and the source of all joy. A joy that we proclaim this Christmas season in one of our most popular carols. But for Christ to redeem man, Christ had to take on the fullness of humanity. This is what we call, uh, in theological terms, don't uh, worry if you forget this, this is what we call the hypostatic union. Uh, The joining of the divine And of human, in one person, Jesus Christ. Fully God and fully man. Honeberg Catechism, Lord's Day 14, question 35, points out the significance of the Incarnation in this way by asking this question uh, as it reflects upon the Apostles' Creed. What does it mean that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? The answer is this, that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself, through the working of the Holy Spirit, from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, a true human nature, so that he might also become David's true descendant, like his brothers in all things except for sin. That's the important part there. Fully man except for sin. You see God so loved his people that he sent his son to dwell and to take on their nature. Because of this, how can we not give him all the glory for identifying with us and dying for us? So two things that we'll look at in uh, John 1:14. 1, One, what it meant for the word Jesus to take on flesh what's going on there, and two, what it meant for him to dwell with his people. So what did it mean for Christ to become flesh? After all, that's what we dwell upon the most this Christmas season. We picture so often in our heads this human baby boy in a manger. What did it mean for Christ to become flesh? I think uh, what's important to stay up front about this crucial Christian doctrine is that the Trinity did not become flesh. God, in the fullness of the triune God, did not become flesh. But the Son, the second person of the Trinity, did. The second person of the Trinity became flesh. The uncreated Is born. The eternal Word becomes flesh in the created order. John mentioned uh, in the beginning of his gospel that we read together that through the Word, that through the Son, all things were made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And now, this very One, this Son, this second person of the Trinity, enters the exact place that through Him was made and he takes upon himself flesh. Well that word flesh in the Greek in the New Testament, generally speaking, just means humanity, we would we would assume as much, but it implies more than just that. It implies frailty, uh, weakness, uh, futility, an incapacity to produce the life of God's kingdom. This is a frail and perishing nature. John in his gospel says in chapter 6, verse 63, uh, quoting Christ, where he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. This flesh is utterly incapable of producing real spiritual life. Only the Spirit can do that. Commenting on John's gospel and his use of the word flesh here, John Calvin writes, he intended to show to what a mean and despicable condition the Son of God, on our account, descended from the height of his heavenly glory. For the word flesh is not taken here for corrupt nature, but for mortal man, marking his frail and perishing nature. In other words, the divine Savior the second person of the Trinity, he clothed himself in the very human nature that desperately needs salvation. Eternal and omnipotent word with frail, mortal humanity. To sum that all up, in the incarnation, we see this union of two categorically different natures in one person. We know Jesus is God. At least I I pray and I hope that's what you believe this morning, that Jesus is God. We get that. And yet how often do we think about Christ's humanity, his human nature? Think about the reality of what the incarnation is. Jesus Christ, fully God, and yet fully man. We, in our varied cultures, have all of these impressions put upon us, especially through media, of what Jesus could have been like. But if we were to really think very carefully about our Lord in his uh, humanity, I mean, let's let's be honest. We have a 33-year-old Middle Eastern guy Right? I'm 33 years, 32 years old. I'm just one year younger than Jesus was when he died. Do we really picture how young Jesus was? He died young. David Van Weeren was 33. That's young. He's Middle Eastern. He would have had a brown complexion to his humanity. Probably a beard as the prophet Isaiah writes about uh, the suffering servant having pieces of his beard plucked out, long hair, short hair, I really don't know. I'm not going to... His appearance isn't a hill I'm going to die on by any means. But yet how often do we think about the humanity of Jesus and yet being fully God? He was a baby boy who cried just as any babies do despite our beloved Carol. (laughs) Yes, crying he did make, I'm sorry, (laughs) Um, Mary perhaps calling him down for lunch or for supper. Jesus, playing with his toys on a hill nearby, runs, trips and falls and bruises his knees and cries very loudly in pain, asking for his mother. Jesus took on flesh. And yet he's the one who, when he began his ministry, could tell the stormy seas to be calm with a word who healed with a touch various sicknesses and diseases and proclaimed all authority to cast out demons. He's the one who knows the inner thoughts in man's heart. Christ is truly human, and yet at the same time, he is truly God. I think maybe we take the doctrine of the incarnation for granted in our day and age. It's it's a simple fact of good orthodox theology, which is true. But it was never this way, though. We as the church are part of a very rich heritage of uh, early Christians who had to fight to the teeth regarding this very doctrine that I'm sharing with you this morning. We have it easy when discussing these things at, at times. It can be complex to talk about them. But in the early church, I'm talking about the first 300 years or so after Christ, They had to wrestle regarding the complex doctrines of the Trinity and the Incarnation. Case in point, the Arian controversy, perhaps the most significant controversy in all of Christian history in the 4th century AD. The crux of the dispute was this question, who is Jesus Christ? Is he God in the flesh, or is he just a created being like me and you? the world's greatest, uh, I'll say it, heretic, Arius, he held to the latter, That there was a time when the Son of God was not, and that he is the first and greatest of all created beings. Closer to God than we are because the world was still created through him, and yet he was still himself created and made. At the end of the day, Arius' views are almost identical with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses who you might have come to your door. In other words, Jesus Christ was not God. This was the view of Arius and his followers. This led to the Council of Nicaea, which formulated a creed that then saw some revisions later in the Council of Constantinople sometime later, giving us what we now have today as the Nicene Creed. Creeds and confessions are so crucial for the church to find valuable, to use them, not on par with scripture, don't hear me say that, but as a guide to help us navigate special revelation and core doctrines of our faith. And that's what the Nicene Creed does with the person of Jesus as fully God and fully man. It helps orient our eyes upon a very proper understanding of what it meant for Christ to take on flesh. On the flip side, you, you would also have early church herod, but uh, only appeared to be a human. He's just an illusion. So you have all of these conflicts going on in the early church that they had to struggle and wrestle with. Okay, Jared, so what? Why this church history lesson? Hear me this morning. Because if we track with Arianism and we lose our grounding in the divine person of Jesus Christ, then his work of salvation is meaningless. The cross meant nothing. And guess what? All of us in this room, we are the most pitiful of all people on this planet if Jesus is not God. No simple created being, even if the highest created being, could have saved saved fallen and sinful man. Only God can do that. And praise be to God that this great salvation, eternally planned, manifested in the flesh, in a manger, Of all places. We give thanks to God that Jesus is God. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, as the book of Hebrews tells us. When we see Christ, we see God in the flesh. What's another important reason for the incarnation? Well, we can see this in the truth of his incarnation, revealing the entire mission of the Trinity that is at work here. The Father sent his Son with the Holy Spirit. To do what exactly? To save a family. Galatians 4, 4-5 through says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And what was a crucial component of this salvation? The incarnation itself. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he he likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. It's not angels that Jesus helps. It's not angels that Jesus helps but Abraham's offspring, you and me, spiritually speaking. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 2, 17 through 18. A baby boy would grow up and be afflicted with the same afflictions that you perhaps this morning have experienced, that he may identify with us. And this young Middle Eastern 33-year-old set his eyes upon Jerusalem, as Luke is famous for saying, so that you wouldn't experience ultimately the affliction of hell, separation from God. Jesus in his flesh, his human nature perished under the crushing wrath of his father so you wouldn't have to. This is the importance of the incarnation. A baby boy would grow up to do this for you and for me. Can you imagine that? The father sending his son to do this for our salvation. Well, this word, the son, Onto our second point, he became flesh and he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. What about this word dwelt? Well, the word dwelt literally means made his tabernacle or pitched his tent. Where does that language sound familiar? Think of Exodus and the Israelites in the wilderness wanderings, pitching their tents. And bringing sacrifices to where? The tabernacle. Paired with we have seen his glory, this recognizes Christ as the true tabernacle in which God's glory dwells with his people. The God who dwelt among the Israelites in the tabernacle slash temple now dwells in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, if you were to read Exodus 25 through 26, the Lord instructed Moses to build this tabernacle with with a seemingly plain outside, with basic materials, but to use gold within, where the divine glory would dwell and appear. We think of the Christ, who in his humble humility, concealed the overwhelming majesty of his deity, except in his uh, uh, moment of transfiguration. God's glory can't be contained by anything on earth. We know that from Solomon's prayer and his dedication of the temple. Yet here it is, in all its splendor, in the person of Jesus Christ. Sam Storms writes this, The glory of Christ, his eternal greatness and majesty with the Father, concealed in his assumed humanity, consisted in the reality of his deity, visible to the eyes of faith as he worked miracles, taught... And died on the cross. If he had not remained God when he dwelt and became man, he would have had no glory to show. What's the significance of Christ's dwelling for us today? What about the dwelling Christ this Christmas? Well, just as Jesus fulfilled the tabernacle in the temple two thousand years ago, he continues to dwell. With his people. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, as we sing this season. God with us, even still today. We, the church, are the body of Christ and therefore constitute the temple in which God is pleased to dwell. The glory of the Lord abides today powerfully and permanently through us by the work of his spirit. Ephesians two twenty one through 22 says, that we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into what? Into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This dwelling place of God continues to grow today as living stones, as Peter writes. For we are the temple of the living God. Just as Christ fulfilled the tabernacle by extension, his church, us, a portion of that here today, As the continuation and the the maturation of what Old Testament Israel was, Christ's body is the place where his spirit is pleased to dwell in each and every one of us individually, but then also corporately. Do you want to see the glory of the Son? In the church, experience powerful Christ-centered preaching and incarnational ministry. Look to a faithful gospel-centered people of God whose lives have been changed where Christ dwells so you may continually hear of him and see him where you will hear of the rich mercies of forgiveness of sins and grace extended to a people crippled with sin, fear, doubts, anxieties, and so on. If that's you this Christmas morning, I hope, I pray that even this church here, Beacon Light, can be a haven where Christ dwells and a place where by his spirit we can minister to you and your needs. A place where the true joy of Christmas is sung into action all year round. Praise be to God that the Son was not a spirit, only appearing to be human, not a created being, but was the incarnate I Am, eternal God incarnate the one who reached out his human hand to peter as he was drowning in the roaring waters the faithful one sent by the father born of the virgin a baby lived the life of a child grew up a young man born to die the one whose outstretched human hands coarse From a life of humility, once soft as a baby's, had nails driven through them and bore the Father's wrath for you and for me. The one who dwelt and remained faithful in his dwelling, even when all of his disciples abandoned him. May that powerful good news of his sacrificial death, his resurrection and his ascension, his mediating for you, speak to you This most incredible story of redemption this morning. May you experience his glory and grace that you may in turn be his hands and feet. Flesh that dwells even here in this community to share this good news. We're called to share not only with those in the church, but with those lost sheep who have yet to be brought into the fold. Let that be your focus this Christmas morning. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, help us to see more and more the riches of Jesus Christ, his glory, and his grace. May we not lose focus on the incarnation, what it meant for the eternal Son, fullness in deity, taking on fullness of humanity to himself that we may have one who identifies with us, the one who mediates now before your throne. May we not harbor this good news just to ourselves, but even this day and onward, share this wonderful Christmas story of the incarnation with those who need to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen.